Hi, we're Chelsea and Michael. And this is the Coffee with Creators podcast. Think of it as hanging out with your buddies as we chat about content creation, social media, and life in general as creatives. So grab your favorite drink and welcome to our scrappy little podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to yet again another episode of Coffee with Creators. How are you, Michael? I'm good, Chelsea. How are you? I'm good. So you guys are listeners. We have a super special guest with us today. Uh, before we dive in too much um, with who we have as a guest, I want to remind you guys to share our podcast with your friends and your family. And if you listen through Apple Podcasts, don't forget to rate us, tap those little stars, and subscribe. It really helps with the algorithm and all that fun stuff. But Michael, if you want to take it away and tell our listeners a little bit more about our guest, I absolutely will let you yeah. do that. So today is going to be a very special episode only because we normally don't have guests uh, back to back. Mm -hmm. And this may come as a surprise to you guys, but normally we, we um, publish our, our episodes on Mondays. Obviously, today is not a Monday because we're, we're let's just say that Chelsea and I have been a little bit busy lately. So busy, busy in a good way, right? Mm -hmm. So we True. actually have to come up with a special episode for this. Also because it's really hard to get in touch with this person because he's super busy and we were fortunate enough to, to have him sit down even just for the next hour um, to give us some valuable insight you know, from his very unique perspective. And this person is Yi from some products. So you guys might be familiar with it because Chelsea and I have been working with some products for a couple months now and a couple of the other influencers that you guys might know also have worked with them. So they make the uh, the drop and dock um, wireless chargers that are currently on Kickstarter right now. And but yeah, I mean, before I even stumble on my own <laughs> words <laughs> or intro, I'll just have uh, Yi come over and uh, and introduce himself. Yeah. Hey guys. Well, like Michael said, my name is Yi, and uh, I'm the founder and I guess CEO of some products, uh, but really happy to be here and to, you know, hopefully I can share a little bit of my insight, my knowledge, and uh, really just my opinion on things. Not that it, I don't think it matters too much, but, you know, <laughs> my own experience, and hopefully that can, you know, make some people feel like they're enlightened or something. We believe that whatever you have to say is going to be very valuable because for, yes. just for the short time that we've been chatting, um, I've already picked up a couple of things myself and it's very right? different. Me from, too. Oh yeah. It's very different from, from my perspective and from a company's perspective. To start things off, I guess maybe if, if you don't mind, maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got started in, you know, this side of the business and yeah, just tell us your story. We're, we're very curious. Right. Yeah, of course. So I think to tell the story of how I came to do some products, it makes sense to jump a little little back to how I grew up. So when I was growing up, uh, I'm from a small city called Tucson in Arizona. Um, but when I was growing up, I had to travel off my parents. They had their own business in which they manufactured uh, transformers for different types of electrical devices. Um, not the toy, just to say, but you know, transformers for <laughs> you know for converting current and whatnot. From third to fifth grade, I would take off a ton of school. Um, like I would go to the teacher and I'd say, hey, can I, I'm, I'm going to be gone for two months. 
um, can Sookin give me my homework for the next two months? And she kind of looked at me with like this incredulous face. And but over time, it became like normal, and they just got used to it. And you know, I spent a lot of time traveling with my parents because as a third grader, you can't just stay home by yourself, right? So mm-hmm. you know, a lot of traveling with my parents for business to you know into China, to Hong Kong, uh, to Taipei, to to Seoul, um, and it was a very different experience growing up, right? I, I saw a lot of, you know, how my parents conducted business. I saw a lot of, you know, where they had their factory in China and how they treated their their workers. And over time, you know, as I got older, you know, my summers would also consist of going back to China. And I've actually spent, you know, multiple summers just working in a factory, right? Because my parents couldn't really leave me alone, leave me by myself in, in America. So I would end up, you know, just... You know, what better way to entertain your child than to let them work for 12 hours a day? <laughs> right. right. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I've done it, it from, you distracted. know, sitting. I, I've, I've sat on a production line doing the same thing for 12 hours. And, you know, I've, I've worked in an engineering department when I was in high school, you know, learning how to do 3D modeling and, and, and technical drawings. Right. And, I mean, it was, it's a very, it's a wildly different summer experience from what all the rest of my friends were doing you know if i if i asked my friends back in middle school and high school hey like how was your summer right they probably would have said Mm -hmm. oh you know i probably went on some vacation and i maybe just hung out whereas mine was oh yeah i uh (laughs) spent a lot of time making making stuff (laughs) in in a factory (laughs) getting no pay (laughs) do you um do you feel like and this might sound like an odd question to you but do you feel like you've kind of missed out on Oh, I, I, I think, I think def- definitely, right? I, okay. I really acknowledge the fact that growing up, it's hard to maintain good friendships and relationships with your classmates, especially, you know, even back in, back in middle school, you know, technology wasn't nearly what it was today, right? And that mm-hmm. sounds kind of crazy to say, but, you know, even, even then it wasn't as convenient to use. There, I don't even think there were apps like, uh, like WeChat or maybe it just was, or like, if anything else, like or Snapchat, right? These these apps that made it no. very simple to communicate, you know, with people internationally, right? And yeah. plus, being in China, I mean, everything's blocked, right? Every mm-hmm. every Google service is blocked, and Facebook is blocked. So if you want to try to VPN, VPNs weren't as popular back in the day either, right? And so it's mm-hmm. I didn't even know they were a thing back then. You're talking like the early two thousands, yeah? Right? I mean, VPNs. I I'm pretty sure they've been around for a while. But the thing is, you know, even though you know you can use it, they were slow. Right. Mm-hmm. Or there, I think there are other ways to get around the Facebook block. In any case, it was just, it was just hard. Right. Um, but there was, there's always a trade off. Right. You, you're, you understand that ultimately, you know, you're trading off a fun summer for a summer of experience. And you don't really know what that impact will be until much later on in your life. And you're like, oh, wow, this was useful. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you're more thankful for it because you have a different perspective. But in the moment, yeah, it sucked. Right. It, there's no way around it. It's, it was just terrible because no, mm-hmm. no kid wants to grow up spending their time in in a factory or just traveling and just spending time by themselves right yeah so my kids would think their life had ended they're so extra to begin with like i couldn't imagine them having to work 12 hours a day they <laughs> so yeah no yeah. I, I totally understand and I, I think i i think in general i mean that's this is a whole different you know uh i guess story or a whole different side to get into but really it's more about the what is the impact on a on a on a person when they when they don't get to experience a regular, you know, 
upbringing and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, you could always say, oh, people might say, oh, you're so lucky that you got to have this experience, right? You're like, okay, yeah. sure. <laughs> right? You're, yeah. But but that was basically the foundation for your, your company. Yeah, I mean. The, the ideas, the everything. Exactly. Yeah. So growing up, I, I always had a big, big obsession with technology, right? I love tech so much. Um, I, I can tell you, you know, one of my first phones was a BenQ Z2. It's this little square BenQ phone. BenQ is not even around, right, to make, to make mobile mm-hmm. phones. And then after that, I had the Sony Ericsson W810i that I absolutely adored. You know, I loved customizing that thing, you know, like the themes and whatnot. And that thing was a brick. Yeah. I could chuck that thing at a wall and it would just kind of like <laughs> pop open and just kind of push it together. And it was crazy. Right. Or break the, the wall. Ba- yeah. yeah. Or the battery would last for like a month straight. You know, like right. the battery never died. On the, those Nokia bricks, like yeah. just lives forever. I miss those. Yeah. Right. Um, so, and then I think, and then after that, oh, yeah, I love saying this. I had a I had an HTC Diamond. Most people don't know what that is. Um, an HTC mm-hmm. Diamond, it, was, it ran Windows, uh, Windows Mobile <laughs> OS. But it was before their new mobile OS. It was the just crappiest thing in the world. But that was, that was back in the day when I was a anti-Apple, you know, person. Oh, you were Very before. vehemently anti-Apple. I only used, you know, a Dell XPS 13 as my laptop. I would use <laughs> so a funny. Windows phone. And then, you know, a couple years into it, I was just like, it's so hard being anti-Apple. Let me just get a MacBook. And that's kind of how it started. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, I remember, I actually really remember back in high school because I had some friends who were making fun of me for finally getting a MacBook. Um, what made you switch, though? My XPS 13 uh, had just, it just went kaput. The screen just went dead. And I, mm-hmm. I called Dell to try to fix it. And they're like, it's going to be a couple hundred dollars. And I mean, the laptop itself was like two grand, you know? So even back in the like, uh, like 2000 and, 2008, 2009, uh, two grand for a laptop is a lot of money. A lot, a lot That's of money. That's expensive, yeah. And the fact That's that a the lot screen, of money now. I know, exactly, yeah. right? It's a lot of money now. But back, Back then, it was still a lot of money. So mm-hmm. when I spent that kind of money on a, on a Dell, I guess my parents did, uh, and it just died. And I was like, this is ridiculous, right? And it, shouldn't, it should not be this hard. It should be this crappy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so got a Mac, entry-level MacBook. And that's that the was, air? And that was when the... they started doing the aluminum unibody MacBooks and not the plastic, the white plastic ones. Yes. Right? Okay, yes. Yeah. It was the first time yeah. they switched to the to aluminum unibody. Mm-hmm. So it was How did you feel about that technology? Like because um, I remember that that time when they started switching to the uh, aluminum body. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I never really imagined technology to you know, when I think of technology, I always think of the software itself. Right. The software, how pretty the screen is, mm-hmm. but I don't think of the hardware. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I didn't realize that you can actually appreciate the build quality of an object just as it is. You know, it, regardless if it's on or not. And I think that was one of the appeals to me of um, like I, yeah, Apple I would agree. I, Absolutely, yeah. That's their selling point is how pretty yeah. their items are, whether they're being used or they're they're not. <laughs> yeah, but I will say, I, yeah. I never really paid attention to Apple's uh, design language until I had my own MacBook and the aluminum MacBook because it felt so nice. Like I didn't really care much for the plastic ones and like the plastic MacBook they had, it was the white one and they had the black one. I mean, the black one actually looked pretty nice. It was like matte black, right? And that was, mm-hmm. that was pretty. Um, but I never really gave much thought to it because I guess one, I wasn't an Apple user at the time. And two, it didn't really stand out to me as like the, 
oh, what are they called? They're the old Max, the one that like looked like a bulbous bubble, whatever. Oh, with the the, uh, the different colors, the yeah. see through. It was like the, blue. The old was I, their main one. Are they the old IMAX? Is that what they are? Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, like we had those in school, and those were the crappiest machines ever. And I was like, who I the, never had one. Who the hell would ever want a Mac? Because it always yeah. has the spinning color wheel death all the time whenever oh, yeah. trying to do anything. <laughs> right. And so I was like, this is this is a joke. This makes no sense to me. Um, but the MacBook really was a very solid device, and it honestly, I. I think it still works. I could probably bust it out th- uh, today and it'll still be fine. It'll still work, yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. that's pretty incredible. Um, yeah. So anyway, sorry, that was so, a huge tangent. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> that's what Michael and I do. It's like we I know, yeah. talk about yeah. a subject and then like com- just veer off like a sharp veer and yeah, then it'll come back in. That was a hard left right there. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's it's okay because I actually I actually want to hear your background in that sense because this leads up to 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 how your your present is right influenced of of right so yeah. yeah um so shortly after you know all my time spent in china um you know then i went to school at, at ucla and when i finished when i finished school uh i kind of came to a crossroads and and this is one of those parts where what i studied in my undergrad has absolutely zero connection to what i'm doing now and i mean you know just i guess i can just say it um, I mean, I, I majored in environmental studies and geography with a minor in geospatial information systems and English, right? And none of those, absolutely none of those, you know, none of the material, the knowledge, the, the skills that I, you know, used in those fields uh, has any overlap other than maybe English, right? But I took English because I just, I, I enjoy, you know, enjoy reading and writing and, you know, that was just a fun thing to do. So really... Mm-hmm. It's, it seems like I have no business doing what I do today, right? And the thing is, if you didn't know my background and you just saw what I made, I think you'd be a little surprised or shocked, right? Because, mm-hmm. again, it's not like I'm a professional in any type of field, right? In terms of industrial design, electrical engineering, um, marketing, you know, any, any, any part of that, right? So all I can mm-hmm. really say is, I think and I believe I do have a good eye for when it comes to good tech, good design, right? And understanding what I really desire in the user experience. And that's and I think a lot of that stems from, you know, again, when being young, being obsessed with, you know, technology and really being critical of what I what I'm seeing, right? And thinking, oh, like this is a bad design or I don't know why they did this, right? And I think yeah. a lot of us as tech lovers, uh, or even just lovers of design we ourselves have that inner voice too. Oh, I like this, or I don't like this. Oh, this is great, right? Mm-hmm. Or, oh, that, that has a bad utility, or I don't know why they did this. And so um, the reason we got into wireless charging, though, was because I had an opportunity, essentially, right after I, I finished my, my studies, where my parents, at that point in time, their, their company was coming to a crossroads, and they were thinking of selling the company, but they also had this wireless charging project that was ongoing. And so before I had jumped on board, they had already been developing wireless chargers and, and looking into this as a, as a finished product for about like a year and a half or two years. But when I saw what they had, they had produced, it was, it was really bad. It was crap. And I, I, looked at, <laughs> I looked at my parents and I was like, this is, this is a joke, right? Like you're not actually trying to sell this. And they're like, what do you mean? 
It's like, where's Ashton Kutcher? Yeah, I was like, you're, you're, yeah, exactly. Where's Where's Ashton? Come on out, Ashton. Uh, but I was like, you, there's no way you can sell this. It looked absolutely horrid, and it was so terribly designed. And they had gone ahead and manufactured like the thousands of these, you know, these these charging stations. Mm-hmm. And you know, they're actually just sitting in some like some storage closet, you know, till this day. To this day. Yeah, to this day. They're still sitting <laughs> Oh wow. There. Um and so and so yeah, it was a huge swing and a miss for him, right? And I thought, okay, I think I can do something here. Right? I think I can try to help and see if we can create a real consumer product that we can design on our on our end. We don't have to manufacture it, but we can get it made and we can, you know, sell it ourselves as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Um but I didn't know how big of a challenge that would be. I really didn't know, right? I just thought, okay, yeah, I think we can do this. Um, and it also became more of a challenge because, and this is, this kind of delves into my personal life, but, you know, soon thereafter, I, I started this project, you know, for the wireless chargers, my parents went through a divorce. And so it, a lot of things went into limbo. And so during that time, I wasn't sure if we we're still doing this project because, you know, I was like, well, you know, what are we doing now? <laughs> yeah. Um, but on top of that, because everything went into limbo, the project was kind of put on hold. And I ended up picking up a job uh, at the startup called Argo AI. And I have to mention them because Argo has been such a huge part in terms of my own understanding of a business and my own you know, development as someone that uh, you know, worked in a startup environment. So as a quick background to those who don't know, uh, Argo, Argo AI is a self-driving uh, startup based out of Pittsburgh. And they had you know, a, an office in Mountain View at the time. Now it's in Palo Alto. And I was basically, you know, their office manager. Um, but then, you know, I got to do a lot more things than just that because it was a startup. And to just give mm-hmm. some perspective, I mean, when I joined, Argo was only a couple months old. And they were, the office that I was in only had about 20-some people. It was a tiny, tiny office. Mm-hmm. But by the time I had left Argo, the company had grown to, you know, more than 500 employees. Right? Wow. And, I mean, in the first year alone, they grew from the founders uh, to, I think, just over 250 people across four sites. And that was nuts to see. Every week, I was, I was helping onboard new people just in our office alone. Right? Yeah. So that kind of growth was really exciting. And also seeing how they managed that growth and seeing how they operated, seeing how they made decisions. Right? Because I, as, in my role, I was really lucky to essentially be able to talk to every single person that I wanted to. Right. Mm-hmm. And you can make small talk, but also you can just really ask questions because everyone there is in the same company and you can ask, oh, you know, like, you know, what's your experience or how did you get here? Or, you know, what are what are, where are we right now as a company and how do you make your decisions? Yeah. Right. And so I was yeah. essentially just a sponge, just soaking up as much information as I could. Right. That's I, I was going to say that that's such a very nice learning environment. Mm-hmm. it's almost like no you know there's no dumb question right exactly exactly and i think everyone there was more than happy to share their knowledge right mm-hmm. and yeah and i mean also just to just to kind of drop this little bit of it's, kinda, it's like a humble brag but i mean argo is started off as a unicorn right as a billion dollar you know startup and most startups don't just start off as unicorns so mm-hmm. that alone was incredible i i didn't even know what a unicorn was when i started there Right. I just mm-hmm. heard the word unicorn tossed around and then I looked it up and I, I realized, oh, that's what I'm, what I'm a part of. Right. And can so, you can you expand more on that? Uh, expound more on that? Yeah. So, that, I mean, the, the reason they're called mm-hmm. unicorns, right, is really because, you know, it's 
it's hard to be valued a billion dollars as a startup, right? And so they're because there's so few of them, they're so rare. So the name Unicorn makes sense. There's also like a Decacorn, which is a ten billion dollar startup, I believe. Um, I've never heard of that one. Right, and so right, these I've are, never heard of Unicorn. Right, and so these I are was, I was and today, these, exactly eight years old. Right, and so it's it's a very like Silicon Valley thing. Because again, I'm not from I'm not from the Bay Area, not from Silicon Valley. So I had to, there's so many buzzwords you end up picking up on. But you know, as a unicorn, it's one of the I think slightly more common. Um, and it was it was really interesting to see like wow, I actually feel like this is a company with endless budget and resources to go about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. In reality, mm-hmm. though, a billion dollars goes by in the blink of an eye when you're dealing with such complex technologies and hardware. And when mm-hmm. you realize that, I mean, just it costs so much to do everything in the Bay. I mean, think of an, think of one software engineer and how much they make in a year. Yeah. Yeah. For those that don't know it's, how much software engineers make in the Bay Area, I have an idea. it's disgusting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not for me. Yeah, you can, you can go look it up yourself. Uh, it varies from company to company. But if you're a software engineer, you're, you're chilling. <laughs> Plus, chilling. Th- this, this was during the time when everyone's like racing towards like getting that ai out right i mean like, they're uh, still racing self-driving cars exactly they're still yeah. racing towards it right with yeah. waymo and uh uber atg right and you know there's argo uh there's chevy cruise so right there's a lot of competition right a lot of people trying to get into the space and so you know the aggress- the the hiring the hiring is super aggressive right um and but also i think on top of that one thing that was really i saw was you know the importance of company culture right and that really ties into how I, you know, manage and treat my employees, right? Because I saw some really bad managers and I saw some really great managers, right? And and really seeing how they interacted with their direct reports, you know, their um, their team and also how the team worked together, right? So, I mean, this is all just to say it was a great learning experience, right? And, you know, I think there's so much more I could share about my time there, but, you know, in the, in the spirit of saving time, you know, I'll, I just want to say, you know, I can't. I couldn't have done it without Argo and my time there. Okay. Right. We should. Have, we should make a separate episode. Right? Yeah, we can do a separate episode with that. Yeah. I think there are a lot of a lot of fun little tidbits there, and it's okay, it's yeah. like the most cool. It's one of the most stereotypical like Silicon Valley experiences. I could, I think I could have had. I'd love to hear that. So yeah, maybe next time we'll we'll do it because I personally love to hear that. It's, yeah, it me sounds too. like an awesome story. Yeah. No. Of course. Of course. Uh, so, the reason I left Argo was actually sparked by. Uh, and this, this was really exciting for me. Uh, I, I had been working at night on the wireless chargers for about a year. So, you know, after the, the dust had settled from my parents' divorce, I had, you know, my, I had kind of jumped back on the wireless charging project with my dad. Um, and it was really more of me doing the work and him giving some input. Uh, and so it, it really, like, it, it was a lot of me trying to, you know, do what I could um, and him giving some guidance and, uh, just kind of giving us feedback. But after working, you know, for a year on developing, you know, our first two products, uh, the, the dial and the disc, uh, I didn't really, it didn't really hit me until I received the first prototype in my hands, right? I basically, one day I, I get home from work and I see this this box from China and it's like, it's crazily wrapped and I open it and lo and behold, it's the dial and the disc in this terrible, absolutely terrible shrink wrap, right? Uh, but it's a shrink wrap. And that all of a sudden mm-hmm. makes it feel like a product, right? The yes. fact that it's shrink wrap yeah. makes you think, wow, like this, this, is a, this, is a pro- this is a real product. So it's I, legit. Exactly. So I cut open the, I cut open the, 
the, the, the shrink wrap, and I take it off, and then I can actually open up. I can open up my box, and that's crazy. I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm literally doing an unboxing here right in front of my eyes, but it's not just uh-huh. any unboxing. It's my unboxing. Right. Right. So I, awesome. when I did my first yeah. unboxing and I realized that, oh my goodness, like I, I am witnessing all, all these years basically of work, you know, culminating in front of my eyes to this product. Right. I was blown away and I thought, wow, okay, this is it. Like, I feel like I need to strap down and get this, get this ready for market. Right. Ready to sell. Mm-hmm. So shortly after that, that's when I gave my notice and, you know, it was it was really sad to leave because I, I love the people there um, at Arco. But, uh, you know, working essentially all day and then all night was really taxing. And I thought, you know, this yeah. is my chance to 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 try and see if I can, you know, make my own company, my, my own brand happen. How long ago was this? Uh, this when was you, when you turned in your notice. So this was about two years ago, actually. I think it's probably just a little bit fairly recent. Yeah, I think it was just over just over two years ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, crazy. That does sound That's, pretty recent, that, actually. Now that you say it. Yeah. Yeah, it's very recent. <laughs> like, I mean, I just started my Instagram like two years ago. You know what I mean? Like, if, right? if I think about it like that, yeah. But can I just say, Yi, that after hearing your story, yeah, it's very amazing to me to to actually relate your story as a a company, as a brand, to you know someone like me who's uh, a content creator, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's almost like um, in, in the in the past when I think of a brand or a company, I usually just think of people in suits, you know, just throwing money everywhere and then they have a product, right? right. So, but that's just me. I'm a simple-minded guy. But if you really think about it, like if you, if if you pay attention, you listen to their story, you're pretty much just like any other creator out there. You had a, an idea. You had you know you had something that was pushing you forward. You wanted to create something. But it's very important, at least for me, to to pin that 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 little thing that you mentioned when you said that you really didn't have an expertise in right. in yeah. a certain field. Of so for me, I can relate to that because I remember when I started, you know, do, just doing this whole thing that I'm doing. Someone asked me, "Give me a skill, one skill that you can teach your children when they grow up." And I couldn't think of one because I'm not an expert on anything. That's that's at least that's how I feel. And that's why sometimes I feel like I'm, you know, I get that imposter syndrome and all that stuff. But, you know, that's I don't want to, you know, get into that subject. But I'm just uh, saying that after listening to your story, I feel like I relate to you more than than I I guess than I thought I I was going to. Well, that's great. Yeah, I mean that, that's yeah. fantastic. That, I think that's kind of the whole point, right? Is when mm-hmm. you mention imposter syndrome, I feel like I have that or I go through that almost every single day, right? And that's something where I don't know if I'll ever get over that. But you know, honestly speaking, when it comes to anything that I've done for you know for my company, you know, I'm constantly asking questions to whomever we're working with, right? And and even mm-hmm. I, I want to think of a good example. Uh, I think. Like when we first approached our first our our the first marketing agency that we actually worked with, right? I don't I have to ask a lot of questions because I don't understand, you know, even in such a certain terminology, right? I'm not gonna know what it is. Like I don't know what return mm. on ad spend is if you give me it as an acronym. Right. I mean if you say it aloud, yeah, sure, I kinda get what you're saying, but even then I might need a more in depth explanation of what that metric actually means. 
right? Um, right. Mm-hmm. Or even like, what, is, what, are, what are impressions? And how is that different from engagement? And what is reach, yeah. right? I mean, mm-hmm. these, I mean, these are the, the broad strokes, but essentially, right, there's, because I don't understand things, you know, for any particular field, right, I'll, I'm going to need to ask a lot of questions, right? Yeah. And one of the things that I believe was the most compelling uh, lesson that I that I learned from being at Argo was that, and I think sorry, I think it was from Argo and also watching my parents do business growing up. It's that one, you really shouldn't be afraid of asking questions, right? Like, don't afraid of looking dumb, because mm-hmm. when you're doing business and this is your business, you should ask as much as you need so that you actually can make a good decision, right? Yeah, like right. you should not care yeah. about what other people think about how you're coming off. Like if you, my, I've I've seen people and like just face to face, literally laugh at my dad when he's asking questions. Like we we've gone to uh, like a tech conference before, and he'll ask questions about a product, and if he doesn't understand, he'll keep asking, and his English isn't the best, right? And mm-hmm. people will kind of laugh at him for not understanding what they're saying, but he doesn't care. He just keeps on asking, right? Yeah. And to me, I That's was like, good. wow, like you're. He's really not afraid of coming off, you know, looking stupid or anything because he's all because in his opinion, he's like, all I'm trying to do is ask a question right? Yeah. and make sure I understand. Um, and then the next step to that is the whole point of hiring people or working with other you know, vendors or, or, or whatnot is that you're bringing people on that are way smarter than you in a respective field because they mm-hmm. have the expertise and you don't. Right. Mm-hmm. You should always be getting people that can help you because you're not going to know what to do or not, you're not going to have the answers for everything. And right. that's why working with others is so important. Right. That's why you need a team. That's why you need a network uh, right. is because you, you need to rely on them. Right. I'm not an engineer. I can't do these these drawings, you know, for real. I can't do the, the PCB layout. I can't do, you know, the actual prototyping and I can't do the, the marketing all by myself. Right. Mm-hmm. So really, I mean, I when I when I say all this out loud, it sounds like I can't do anything, right? <laughs> uh, but and that's I, funny. I, I don't, gosh, my the, the truth is out. I'm, I'm worthless. <laughs> but, I know I feel like that every day, so don't feel bad. And I know Michael goes through the same oh, yeah. thing, so it's it's just right it's now. Human. I'm like, why, you know, we're why only... am I here? What am I doing here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I I think that a lot, right? But yeah, at the end of it, it's. All I'm doing is I'm trying to make a vision of mine come to life. Yeah. Right. And I'm trying to, and everything I do is centered around that. Right. Right. If I, what can I do today? What can I do tomorrow? What, what, who should I bring in? You know, what decisions do I need to make so that I can just progress and move a little bit closer to what my goal is? Right. right? Which is, you know, to, to share this product, to create a great product and to share it. Mm-hmm. And by sharing, it does mean selling it, but that's what a business is, right? Yeah, selling exactly. a product so you can get more money and then develop another product and keep exactly. going. Create some that's, more. That's part, exactly. Make some yeah. more stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. So I have just a quick question. And is it stressful creating a consumer product such as you do? I think I came from a really fortunate and privileged background in that the funding that I had or that I received to do this business, you know, came from, you know, our own family, right? Mm-hmm. And so having that opportunity, it was kind of a, you can't, you'll, I'll, I won't fail in creating a product. But what I really can fail in is actually selling this product and making a good product, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't, I, I, as, me as a person, I don't really get stressed that often. Right. So it's, it's not really That's stressful. To think <laughs> I know. Actually, I think it might be a detriment to myself because 
I feel like for a lot of people, having stress is a nice like fire under your butt to kind of mm-hmm. get you going, right? Mm-hmm. But in this case, you know, I I don't really get stressed. But what I do think about is, you know, I need to make sure that what I'm making is good so that it can actually sell, mm-hmm. right? That that's the whole point. If it's mm-hmm. not a good product, then it's not going to sell. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's very exciting. It's a very fun challenge, but. Along the the product creation process and the prototyping, uh, and this again, this is a whole diff- another topic as well. But what are the challenges of creating a product, uh, and what sacrifices or what concessions do you need to make to feel like, oh, okay, I realize that these are the limits of my limits of my time, my limits of manufacturing, limits of my budget, right? Limits of you know. You know, whatever whatever comes into play, you have to realize like, it's not going to be a perfect product. And th- sorry, this actually brings me to a really interesting point uh, that, or just for me, I, I realized that Michael, when he reviewed one of our first chargers, the dial, right? Uh-oh. And he did say that it was his favorite wireless charger and it made me smile and that was awesome. But Michael didn't shy away from saying what was bad about it, right? And the thing is, the dial itself, like, it does have this rattle to it. And that's, you know... I can explain why, and I know why, and the fact that he picked up on it and mentioned it, right? One, that shows that he actually is paying very close attention to the product, and that's, mm-hmm. that's awesome, right? And two, it's, it's showing that like, I obviously don't want that to be there. I myself, you know, as, as the creator, as the manufacturer, as, as the brand, we don't desire to have that as a, as a flaw within the product, but due to the manufacturing and the design process, it just had to be there for this for this first gen product, mm-hmm. right? And that was really disheartening to me, right? Because I wanted it to be perfect before I released it into the world, right? Mm-hmm. I think, I'm sure you guys can relate. If you're gonna do something and it's gonna be presented to an audience, right? A public audience, you wanna make sure it's as good as possible. It's as polished as possible. Right. And when you're told and when you're forced to make a decision that says, hey, you can't have this at 100%. What you can't have it at, is 80 percent well then Mm -hmm. what what sacrifices do you make you know what what do you say okay what do you settle for right and it's not because you want to settle but because you have to settle right that's the very real reality of making a product and then trying to and trying to market it right you just don't you can't spend all your time and money developing and you know fixing a a product i mean even if you look at apple right i mean they you might feel like they make a, a, a great product but everything they do is very iterative right nothing yes. is going to be perfect mm-hmm. uh, and oh, yeah. i mean they're very slow to adopt new technologies even their wireless charging is pretty pretty laughable for for how slow it is right didn't they didn't they ditch that last one too like weren't they supposed to release like an air something charger oh and, right they were supposed to do their own wireless charger right the i should know this because i'm wireless charging um, <laughs> sorry <laughs> i think actually i, I forget what it's called now but i mean it shows that i think it was air charge air power i no. think it was yeah those might be other companies. <laughs> I have no yeah. clue. Anyways, it, but it shows that even as a company as big as Apple, right, will have mm, challenges yeah. developing a product and releasing it, right? Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. Apple was so dedicated to their wireless charger that they printed the wireless charger on the back of the AirPods, uh, AirPods Pro or AirPods 2, right? Mm-hmm. They printed the actual wireless charger because they thought, oh, we're going to be able to sell this. Yes. Right. Yeah. So... I mean, so yeah. To to go back to your your question, Chelsea, I think that it's not stressful, you know, during the 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 product creation or any any part of it. But really, what it what for me, it's more of that I need to make sure that whatever I'm doing 
makes sense for the company, right? Mm -hmm. It needs to, I need to be able to sell this, but I can't spend too much time on it. So there's all these decisions that need to be made. And, you know, ultimately those decisions are what make the final product, right? right? Mm -hmm. And I wish I could say, wow, I'm 100% happy with how this product turned out, right? I wish I could say that, but honestly, there's always going to be something as a creator that you're not satisfied with. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. I go through that on a daily basis. <laughs> Anytime I create anything, I think it's trash. And then I usually have to like step away from it. And then I come back the next day. I'm like, you know what? That's not terrible. It's not too bad. So I get that. Yeah. For and, sure. and I love that. Right. I, I had a, a great sense of that when I first sent out early review units. I know, you know, both both of you received those. But when I sent it out to like my friends and I know friends are biased and everything. But when I send out to my friends and Actually, sorry, let me, let me go back. When I first even made the dial on the disc, when my friends saw that, they, I, I, they, I remember the reactions. They would look at me and be like, what is this? Oh, it's a wireless charger. Oh, cool. Why are you giving this to me? Well, because I made it. <laughs> you made this? <laughs> right? Like, they, the most, like, shocked, incredulous face. Because, yeah. I mean, if, if you really know me, I mean, I really am, like, I, I, like, to, I like to have fun. I, I might be too laid back. Um, and so for them to see this kind of fit and finish and polish on a product, right? Uh, they were they in total shock. They just didn't. It was believe a big it. surprise for them, right? Yeah. A huge surprise. That's for so them, cool. Right? <laughs> uh, and then you know with this with this with this new product, the you know the drop and the dock, you know I think we learned a lot. We learned a lot from the manufacturing process, the packaging, right? The the just the fit and finish of everything all around, right? Mm -hmm. Like we we really learned a lot and. In, to make this new product and when i see them receive it again you know they're like wow this is really nice like yeah. this is awesome like they're yeah and so to get that kind of feedback is so cool so so cool right because i i am hyper aware i am really critical of my own product mm -hmm. but yeah like you said take a step back kind of hear what people have to say and all of a sudden all of a sudden you're like Oh, nice. Like it's not too it's bad. It's not yeah. too bad. I, I shouldn't be so hard on myself. <laughs> okay. Right? Yeah. Every time I post a photo to Instagram and if it doesn't instantly start getting likes, I'm like, it's trash. I knew it. It's trash. <laughs> and then when I go back the next day and it has, you know, several likes and several comments, I'm like, uh, your bad. girl. I mean, your girl might still have it. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. And so that's great. I I really and so yeah, taking a step back, having a different perspective right mm -hmm. not being so harsh i think that's a great lesson for for a lot of things that we do yeah right okay um and you might have kind of answered this already but what is your favorite part of creating consumer products like what do you enjoy the most about it ah uh, okay so what i think of consumer products right i i like i said i i definitely come from a very fortunate background right like again growing up i don't have to ask for much the thing is, when it comes to when it comes to tech and these types of consumer electronics, there really isn't anything too much where I'm like, oh, if I if I like that's out of reach. So really, I can try most things, right? If I'm interested in something, I can just try it. And plus, these days, I mean, if you're interested, you can try. It. If you don't like it, just return it, right? Um, and so, what that means is, I've had it. I've had a really a lot of exposure to a lot of products, and I've had a lot of exposure. And and this goes beyond electronics too. I mean, I I personally have a thing for you know clothes or you know bags i won't mm -hmm. say which brand of bags but you know i do like i do like nice things right and and so i love to appreciate you know what makes them nice though right what beyond the brand that they have mm -hmm. what makes them actually a nice product right so if i if i look at a designer bag i'm not just gonna buy it because oh it's it's got 
this, this logo, logo on it, right? <laughs> right. But like when I actually look into their their company, look into their history, look into their manufacturing process of of who actually makes it, right, or how they choose their materials, and then ultimately when you go buy it in stores, what is that customer experience like? What is that user experience like when you're unboxing the whole package, right? Mm-hmm. All those things culminate, and I'm like, oh wow, this feels awesome. But then I take a step further. Uh, not only does it feel awesome, why does it feel awesome, right? Mm-hmm. What can I steal from this that I can use for myself, <laughs> right? Uh, because it's, it's, I think it's really key to understand, you know, what, what materials or, or what touch points makes a consumer really feel like they're getting a great product. This is very true, yeah. That's really right. Yeah, true. it's mm-hmm. so good. I love that you're saying this because I constantly go through this, like, on a daily basis, like, adapting something that another creator has done and putting your own twist and your own spin on it. So it's, yeah, I love, I love that you, you're doing that as a, you know, a content creator of a actual of, business. Of products, cool. right? So, yeah. so basically yeah. what you like doing is dissecting, you know, products that you like and trying to implement that into your own products. Is that, is that a yeah, fair way of that's, saying that's it? The, I yeah. think that's the great way to, to, uh, to summarize it. So I can give an example actually. Um, so when we do packaging, Right. Mm-hmm. Everything you see, every, the packaging that you have in your hands or maybe you, you know, you threw away, which is fine. Um, Michael. Michael. Yeah, Michael. <laughs> sorry. Uh, Michael threw the box away. <laughs> wow. How dare you? I spent a I'm lot. I'm sorry. So I ripped it. I, <laughs> so from the manual to the layout to the, the, the actual drawing of the box, the dimensions, I mean, everything you see, I literally, you know, uh, thought about or designed or put together. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the copy, the, the images, you know, the layout, you know, it's either I do it or I say, this is what I want. Can you do this for me? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so because my input is on every single aspect of the packaging, I want to make sure that it's as good as possible. Right. Mm-hmm. But I also have to think, OK, I need to make sure that this what I'm what I'm in, in imagining or envisioning is possible. And is, does it. Is it cost effective, right? And all those things. And I'm not saying that this, I do this all by myself. I'm saying the ideas I can have, or I can also work with my teams. Like, hey guys, we have this issue. What can we do to fix this issue for the packaging, right? Or, hey, what kind of content should we have here? Or what kind of copy should we have here, right? But ultimately it's a, I, I touch every single part and I edit it. Like, you know, I make sure, hey, can we move this a pixel? Can we make sure this line is longer? Can we change the lighting? Hey, mm-hmm. this color's a little off, right? Every single thing is I have to like I am I'm watching it, and that's that's just from a packaging perspective. Yeah. But in order to even make that initial packaging, you know, we think about what needs to go on there. Mm-hmm. Well, we end up referencing other companies, other products, right? Mm-hmm. So if you look through my photo library, you'll see tons of photos, literally, of like the six sides of a box of some other product, right? And I'll tear open the packaging. I'll literally peel off any layers that they have, right? From the, the, from the laminate paper to the, in, the, card, the cardboard that they use inside. And mm-hmm. we'll tear it all apart to see, okay, these are the layers they have. This is what the, these are the materials they use. And so we're, we're basically taking you know, the good from other companies in terms of their product packaging and kind of saying, oh, what do we like? Or what do we want for our, our packaging? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and what, what things can we take that will feel really nice? And that's kind right. of... So the like with the with the new product, right? We we include a dust bag that you know. Well, we we 
we market it as like a cloth travel accessory pouch, right? But really what it that's is... That's what I use it for. <laughs> yeah, it's, and so that's what, we, that's what we have it in there for. But really the idea comes from it being a dust bag. When you buy a name brand bag, those bags come in those cloth dust bags, right? Yes. To protect your, your bag from, you know, from dust and, and whatnot. And so I was like, I love this idea. It's reusable right mm-hmm. it's a it's a nice little thing where you're not getting all this plastic packaging you know just mm-hmm. you know just sitting there and you get to reuse it right and i think it's awesome and it's it costs a little bit more but the touch mm-hmm. point is so much nicer yeah right absolutely so can i just say that when you were describing this it's coming from perspective of you know from you obviously right like this is the experience that you want the consumer to to experience themselves um I personally think that this is one of the reasons a lot of companies like working with influencers, you know, why they send products to YouTubers or people on Instagram or basically people because they're they're people. And to Mm -hmm. see those people's reactions when they're unboxing something, when they're opening something up, when they're seeing something for the first time, I think translates very, very well to the end user, which is, you know, the consumer. And it's something that's very hard to put on a billboard a TV ad, um, yeah. a, a magazine yeah. you know, page or something like that. So can you talk more about how influencers in general have, you know, your experience with working with them and maybe, you know, how they've impacted your business or maybe I guess just tech in general. Can you yeah. say something a little bit, a little bit about that? So I think you made a great point. Influencers are really awesome because they, they're essentially a trusted source of, of knowledge, right, for new up, up and coming products. So hmm. right, if I'm looking for, you know, like the, let's say like a new iPad, the new iPad Pro stand, right, the keyboard, right? Because I myself, it's a lot of, I think it's a lot of money. So before I buy it, drop that kind of money, is it any good? So I'll go onto YouTube and search up, you know, new iPad keyboard, you know, review. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so that's, that's why, that's where an influencer or a tech reviewer is really awesome to have. Right. Mm-hmm. Another point is, you know, if I spend all this time developing a product, you know, with I can we can convey, you know, a lot of the touch point, a lot of the a lot of the facts about it to, the, you know, whoever we're, we're working with and they can mm-hmm. help, you know, explain those more. They can they can elaborate on the product development process so that the end consumer can have an even deeper appreciation for how we got to that finished product. Right. Right. Because mm-hmm. most I mean. A consumer is not an average consumer will not know how much pain what what, what a huge pain it is to actually make like a wireless charger right mm-hmm. or or a lot of products for for that matter right like you mm-hmm. don't know all the investment upfront investment and all the iteration and all the all the challenges that go into manufacturing a product and so as a consumer you just think oh like it looks like this and people might be you know really hypercritical right yeah. Like mm-hmm. if a if a new iPhone came out and people are like, oh that's ugly. Like when the like that whole iPhone bump, like the camera bump. Yeah. People mm-hmm. were like, oh that's so ugly. Why would they do this? That makes no sense. Mm-hmm. But like, do you know the amount of effort and time and investment and, <laughs> and right? energy that Apple engineers like spent yeah. on making this device? Yeah. Right. Exactly. And you really think that like they couldn't 
it, like they can fit it in and they just chose not to fit it and that they just you know like, by choice and like, you just don't know what their what their process is right right there's so you, always a reason that they've always. done yeah, something exactly. it's not just because they wanted to do it or because they thought it looked good if it looks like trash they probably know it looks like trash but it's just something that had to happen right yeah, <laughs> exactly it's the fact that you have to make sacrifices for certain things yeah. right and mm-hmm. so they probably had it at, they, I mean, I don't know if they did, but they probably had some sort of conversation, which was, if you want a bigger camera, uh, like a bigger, better optic system sensor in your phone, you're going to need to have a bump. And they probably mm-hmm. had a huge discussion. Do we want a bump or do we want worse cameras? Yeah. It goes back to your whole thing. Like you can't have a hundred percent. Exactly. You yeah. can't have everything. Right. And mm-hmm. that's, yeah. So in any case, I, I think that it's great to be able to have a platform where these kinds of points where like, oh, they chose to use this material or they, mm. they, this is one of the really key features. And why is this special, right? Why, mm. like, you know, why was it hard to do this? And why, why do they feel like this is something to talk about? Okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's where, again, that's really where influencers are great because influencers can talk for a while, right? It's, it's not just like you're, it's not like you're seeing a billboard and you have all of like two seconds to like right. sell your product and pitch your product on billboard. Exactly. Right? In yeah. this case, you've got like 10 minutes. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I can understand, you know, why working with influencers can be very effective for a business such as yours, for example. Can you say a little bit about like what type of uh, maybe what's your ideal influencer, I guess, is what I'm saying. Like, what do you look for when you want to work Mm, with someone? Right. That's definitely going to. So my answer will definitely be different from what other people, other brands and whatnot will say. Right. Uh, But in terms of in terms of what we look for, for for an influencer. You know, there. I think we can kind of break it down into uh, three parts. And I will say, this is what I. This used to be a lot more relevant to me, but I don't handle our our social media anymore, um, and our I don't handle much of our our marketing either. But mm-hmm. I can say that you know, for us, when we do when we do deal with influencers, or even if if my team says, "Hey, do you want to work with this person?" and I take a look, right? I can usually determine if I do or don't want to work with them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so. I'll break it into three points. The first one would be, uh, what is the quality of this of this um, of this person, right? And I mean, you know, the quality comes down to like, oh, what is the quality of you know how they interact with us? Uh, how do, like how how responsive are they, right? Uh, this might seem kind of rude, but uh, influencers. I don't believe influencers <laughs> uh, understand normal business etiquette you're not and wrong <laughs> you're not wrong i was just about to say don't. <laughs> and what i mean by that is there's a certain understanding and professionalism around just even emails or communication right if i mm-hmm. send you a message you know on monday and you don't get back to me for like a week right it, regardless of even influencer if, if you're just a, like a vendor of ours or a client i'm going to mm-hmm. be like you know what the heck Right. Right. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't take you a week to get back to me. Right. If the question is just, hey, can you send over a media kit? Right. Some some very simple things that should not take so long. And if communication takes that long, it makes it even more difficult for us to do planning. Right. Because, you know, surprisingly enough, it's not just about this one influencer. It's about a lot of a lot of different influencers if we're doing a whole campaign. Right. So we have to we have to line them all up. We have to get them all, you know you know, all ready to go and all we have to plan it all accordingly, right? Because we're not just going to have, you know, all these influencers post at the same exact time. We'll post, we'll kind of stagger it, right? There's a strategy to what, you know, what we do. Yeah. Um, 
So really, yeah, so their work ethic, you know, and their professionalism, that really matters to us, right? Mm -hmm. um, and also, you know, how they, I guess, like, how, how, like, what do we see in terms of their, their own, their own lifestyle, right? And that's, that might be kind of vague, but I mean, again, the whole point of, of Instagram is that you can kind of see, like, what they're like, Right. You can you can yeah. get a general sense of who they are as a person. What do they write in their captions? Right. Do they just like do a bunch of hashtags or do they actually write something that's more engaging? Right. Mm -hmm. Are they engaging with their audience? That mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Because for us, that means, oh, maybe they're more authentic. Maybe they're more honest. Right. Maybe they maybe they actually have more of a brand beyond just simply talking about their products, talking about right. sorry, talking about products that they get. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So if so I were. Oh, sorry. Good. Yeah. I was just going to say that if I were to kind of summarize that, like from hearing you say all these things as someone who operates in this space i'm now more conscious about how i really present myself and it's not just about posting pretty pictures and it's not about just showing off all these nice things it's about having an actual voice and you know explaining why you why i like these things why what this means to me so if i'm getting it uh, your message correctly you are looking for for influencers who are or you at least um prefer influencers who can convey that type of message because maybe it's more effective to deliver yeah, that. I, yeah i i i would say that right i i think i okay so let me let me let me uh backtrack i think we might care a little bit more about what kind of person the influencer is than most other brands because okay. it matters to us that we can trust how you're going to how you're going to talk, how you're going to, you know, perform, you know, your services, how you're going to present the product, uh, mm -hmm. but really how you're going to work with us, right? Right. Because okay. at the end of the day, you, an influencer, or you, you, uh, Chelsea and, and Michael, you, you two, you're, you're essentially like vendors for us, right? Mm -hmm. And we want to make sure that we maintain a good relationship because if I want to make sure whoever is my vendor or whoever is my client, I want to make sure there's a good standing relationship where it's not like pulling pulling teeth just to like get something done right Got it. and yeah. we want to make sure there's this mutual respect going back and forth about hey mm -hmm. you know can you help us with this can you do this right mm -hmm. and that so on a very you know base level it's do we think we will get along will we share the same you know same ethics and same mm -hmm. morals same principles mm -hmm. so that we can work well together and so what i talked about first was the, the quality of, of of the person themselves mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and the second thing would be and this is very straightforward, the quality of their audience, you know, and their engagement. Because this goes back to if you're thinking of charging, you know, us a thousand dollars because you have, you know, a hundred thousand followers, right? Well, that's great and all, but do you actually have a hundred thousand engaged followers? Do you actually right. like what what is your true engagement? You know, and and how much are they interacting? Are they commenting? Are they liking your posts? You know, and even if they are commenting, what are they saying, right? Mm -hmm. We and it's not that I don't believe that you have a legitimate following, but I'm also not naive to the fact that there are a lot of fake followers. There are a lot of bots. There's a lot of automation that can be done on Instagram, right? And a lot of manip manipulation. So the thing is, we can obviously track how effective you are as an influencer after we work with you. But mm -hmm. the whole point is to try to see if we can determine how effective you are before we even decide to engage with you, right? Um, so that's the second thing. And then lastly, it's the quality of your, of your feed, of your content, right? Does it match our branding? And that's, again, that's very specific to us, right? Because mm -hmm. we definitely pose or we, we, we put ourselves in a much more high-end uh, 
part of the market because we create, you know, really, you know, we like to think we make well-designed and, you know, well-engineered and just, just premium products. And so it doesn't make sense for us to be, you know, put on a page where maybe, you know, someone is reviewing just like, oh, like budget electronics. Right. Yes. I and agree. so, I mean, that's a purely a strategic move for us because we have to mm -hmm. make sure that who we work with can really show off the quality of our products. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in any case, th that's that's what we look for. And I really do want to say, though, that for anyone listening, this is not a this is not going to apply to most companies, I think. Right. Because we we're definitely more picky. Right. A lot of people reach out to us. Uh, about, hey, can we work with you guys? Or, hey, can I have a product for review, right? There's a lot of people that reach out to us on a daily basis, and we have to turn them down because one, because basically they don't satisfy one of those criteria, right? I either okay. either we don't think that their audience is big enough or good enough, or their feed isn't good enough or up to par. Um, and I mean, we can't really judge their their them as a person at that point because we're not communicating with them, right? Mm -hmm. But we realize that, okay, there's something that isn't there and we have to turn them down. Right. right. Okay. That makes sense for me. Yeah. 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 That's a very clear way of defining that, honestly. And, and I think for anyone yeah. who's listening to this right now, me personally, I think these are all gems that you, you were just like sharing. Right? And I feel like a lot of people can find a lot of value in, you know, whatever um, Yi was just saying. And just like his overall story. I mean, just in general, I'm like kind of, I feel like I'm watching a documentary, like listening. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? So like, oh yeah, this is a, but you know, that said, like most documentaries that, you know, I watch or people like stories that I listen to, I always try to um, picture myself in their shoes. And I tr always try to imagine like, what is the, the driving force? Like, what's the most, the, the thing that keeps you, you know, excited the next day? So I guess my question is, what's the most fulfilling part of your journey, at least so far that you, right. you know, you've gone through? The most fulfilling part of our journey or my journey, uh, one, I mean, one of the best parts was definitely what I mentioned earlier, uh, receiving the first prototype, right? That's when I decided I'm going to start this company, you know, legitimate. That's when I registered the company and that's when I, you know, had my started, you know, working full time on it. Um, but another part was more recently, right before COVID started, uh, we had landed uh, our first uh, our first hotel client, meaning that it was the first hotel for us where we installed our chargers in every single one of their rooms, right? Oh, that wow. was huge for us because that is cool. um, it's, it was something where I never thought that, you know, I would get to a day where I'm working with a five-star hotel and they're paying me for a product to put inside their rooms. That is cool. Right? That's, in, that is that's cool. insane to me. Even when I say it out loud, I kind of don't believe it. It's like right. next level. Like yeah. I feel like you when you get to that level, like you've made it. I, I know, me too. Exactly. That was that was so so awesome. I mean, even 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 funnier is that just uh this past week I had a, a friend of mine who is visiting LA and he needed a place to stay. And uh, you know, the general manager of the hotel, you know, was was kind enough to hook up my friend with a good rate. And my friend's staying there and he texted me yesterday and he was like, Hey man, random question, but <laughs> are these your chargers in the room? <laughs> and I was like, are. damn right they are. That's awesome. That, <laughs> I, know. that is yeah. cool. I, so can, I can just imagine that feeling. It's awesome. Yeah, and right? it's, so it's, it's fun. Awesome. It's fun when your friends get to see what you do, right? But it's even cooler when, like, you don't even have to tell them and they get to kind of see it themselves, right? Yeah. And yeah. they're like, wait, is this yours? Right? <laughs> yeah. And, and this, That's super cool. And this, and this kind of leads also into, like, 
it was it was an awesome feeling, but also was kind of sad is obviously the hospitality industry has suffered a lot throughout COVID, which means that we as a company have also suffered quite a bit because mm -hmm. our, our big plan was to really push into hospitality this year. And with COVID and the, and the and how it is, you know, the current state of in our country, that makes it really hard, right? Um, so we've been really trying to think of other ways to, you know, to push our product and to, you know, push out a new product. Um, and there's, I mean, no doubt there's challenges for everyone, a lot of businesses during this time. But, you know, speaking from our perspective, you know, it, it really, it's, it's a, it's a, it's like a high followed by a low, right? But that really is one of the, one of the most fulfilling parts, right? It's just, you know, the amount of work that our team had to put in to get to that moment, right? That's awesome. And it's so sad. Like when the contract was signed, I remember we were freaking out. Like, oh my gosh, like this happened. We got this, you know. Uh, I feel so like cool. I'm finally being validated in terms of I made a product and people are actually going to see this and use it and touch it and, and whatnot. Yeah, I, I swear. I swear. Every time you, you talk from that perspective, I, I forget that you are, a, you know, a company in that right. sense. Like, right. Yeah, because you sound exactly like a content creator. Right. <laughs> I was thinking that same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think that there's, there's really no difference, you know, between, you know, any, any of us, right? I, I think that, mm. you know, that's, I'm no better than any of you, right? I, I think that my situation may have been more privileged. Uh, my, my hobbies may have been, my interests may have been different, right? But when it comes mm -hmm. to actually my skill, my, my ability to do something, I think that, you know, there's no reason what I do, you know, there's no reason why you can't accomplish something even, like even more incredible than what I do, right? right? Yeah. Or, or any anyone else that I, that I meet, right? There's no reason they can't achieve more, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's just you know I sometimes it's dumb luck, sometimes it's being being fortunate, right? And sometimes it's just that you might have a, you might have a, have this interest that you really want to pursue, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Like if like the fact that I mean you know you like both of you have your own your own brand and image and uh, and pages, right? Your social media that you have, and that's that is awesome in of, in of itself. Right. That's something that I, I haven't like, yeah, I would love to be an influencer. That sounds great to me. Right. From what I see. Right. But, <laughs> you know, unfortunately, my my skill set's not there or I didn't I didn't invest the time there. Yes. Right. We're, yeah. we're all investing mm -hmm. our, our, our effort and our time in different places. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's that's totally fine. And I, so there's, you know, when, you know, if there's no reason to think that I'm like amazing or anything, like I, I really am not. Right. I I'm nowhere close to, you know, what I mean, like people that really people that make really amazing things right like that are mm -hmm. like i'm just at the end of the day i'm making a charger right i'm making mm -hmm. a charger that i think is nice that is not necessary for a lot of people <laughs> right it's you i understand you can definitely get a charger for a much cheaper right mm -hmm. yeah. um, but this is what i wanted to do right this is yeah. what i wanted to make this is what i wanted to offer to people to try and to buy and to use yeah but what, what attracts totally me fine. yeah what attracts me to that is just that that whole desire that pursuit of you know like for better things i think is it's it's what's very um meaningful for me when i when i hear someone else's story so mm -hmm. i can appreciate that so you might not think you're awesome but i think you're awesome so. <laughs> i think you're awesome yeah. too i i love my charger i carry that little disc everywhere and i'm <laughs> I wanted to, uh, to kind of touch on this earlier. The dust bag is genius. When I opened it, I was like, oh, it comes with this little purse. I love it. Yeah. Because it makes it so easy. Like you just slip it in there and then you, I could toss it in my backpack or whatever. And I don't have to worry about it getting like dinged. So I love it. Those little small details are my favorite. That's awesome. Um, I think, I think that really wraps up all the questions that uh, Michael and I had. My last question was 
some obstacles you face, but I think we already covered that in yeah. mm-hmm. kind of in the beginning, kind of the middle of the conversation. So, um, Michael, unless you have anything else. Well, actually, no. I mean, I, I, I know you're really, really busy, and we've actually right. gone over, as usual, Chelsea. But oh, yeah. just listening no, to his no story, was, oh, right. yeah, I know. Yes, <laughs> just yes. listening to his story is just amazing. And I think, I hope that whoever's listening to this have, have you know, picked up some uh, valuable nuggets because I know I have. And I have oh, to. Yeah, me too. It's, I, I feel fortunate enough that I'll be able to listen to it again because I have to edit this. <laughs> but before we end this, Yi, um, I would like to, to ask you, you know, you know, well, actually, I would like to say thank you first for finding some time to sit down with me and Chelsea. And, uh, thank you guys. You know, for yeah. The, yeah, for this special episode. But um, please tell the ladies and gentlemen where they can find you or if you have anything that you would like to mention that you know, they might want to check out. Sure. Well, you can, uh, you can find our, our company uh, on Instagram at some products. That's S-U-M products. And you can go to our website, some-products.com to find, you know, find out our, our new products that are coming out. And you, know, you can buy our chargers there. You can also find them on Amazon. Although it's a little difficult, I'll be honest, to find them on Amazon because of uh, since we don't really push too much people there. Um, but I do want to say uh, before before I plug you know our, our Kickstarter for our new product to drop, um, one of the things that Chelsea just said, you know, what are some of the obstacles that we might face? I I, I want to share something that I think might hopefully is kind of relevant to to to, to your audience is that. Uh, when it comes to spe- specifically content creation, right? For us, that means creating digital assets, taking photos of our product. And when we do product photography, it is a huge challenge. We've done it, uh, we've done three sessions now. And when I say a session, a session is like a full day shoot, right? For multiple days. And so when we do photo shoots, from, from the first time to the, the last time we did it, it has evolved so dramatically. We're so much more prepared. We have a whole list of shots that we want to get in a, in, in a specific scene or a location or props, right? We have a whole prop list that we need or that we need to secure, right? We have timing of everything. And so what the whole point of this is to say that when, we're, when, we, when we first started doing photos, our yield rate for usable photos was extremely low, right? We would spend a whole day taking photos, in which case we could only probably really realistically post like maybe 25% of those photos, right? And so to invest so much time and energy, but to have such a low yield was really disheartening, right? Because again, it's the cost of, you know, our time, my employees, the photographer that we hire, right? Uh, but then as we learn and as we, as, as we keep going about, you know, taking more photos and we keep, you know, seeing, oh, what did we do wrong? What did we like? Then we can really increase our yield rate, right? And that, what that means is we can really start to figure out what do we like? What makes a good photo? What makes a good asset for us to use, right? And I think there's no better, like, example of that creation process and the challenges that you face than, you know, for us, you know, taking photos and making sure we have usable assets to post. Right. Because it sucks when you like you look at your library of like 3000 photos and you have to throw away, you know, most of them because you're like, oh, this didn't turn out well. Oh, the lighting was off. Oh, the focus was off or oh, the the placement was bad. Right. And that's and that's terrible. Um, And I think, again, this goes back to we're really hypercritical. Right. Of what we do. Super, super critical. Um, But you can get better at it. You know, even even us as people that are not professionals. Right. Within you know, product photography or product marketing, right? We can, we can see ourselves improve, 
right? And I and I think that's that's really what 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 matters is that as long as you're as long as you do it and you learn, you you'll get better. You know, and with and with each time, we improve so dramatically. Yeah, I can yeah. definitely relate to that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> with that being said, uh, our Kickstarter for the the new wireless charger, the drop. Um, what we jokingly internally call a wireless wireless charger uh, because <laughs> it's a wireless charger with a battery bank. You can find that on Kickstarter. Uh, just go to your browser and type in some dot uh, some L I V E, um, and it'll take you straight to our Kickstarter page. Uh, right at when this podcast goes, when is this going out, Michael? Uh, it should go out tomorrow. Okay, so tomorrow. this goes out uh, on Friday. That mm-hmm. means you'll have. Friday is basically the last day of when you can pledge. So okay. our cutoff is technically 5 a.m. Pacific, 8 a.m. Uh, Eastern uh, Saturday. But, I mean, mm-hmm. you're not going to wake up that early to do it. So if you want to check it out, that'd be awesome for the support. Uh, again, sum.live. And you can find all the info about the new product there. Uh, you'll even see Michael and Chelsea's beautiful faces on that page. Uh, <laughs> I was surprised to see that, you. by the way. I was just like, that was so cool. I'm I on a web page. <laughs> I loved that. That was super cool. Well, you guys are super cool for, you know, for doing this and for having me on and for, you know, talking about our products, you know. Well, no, thank you for finding the time. I know you're busy. Absolutely. Yeah, you're all over the place. No, it was, it, was, it was a huge pleasure. Well, again, Yi, thank you so much. We really appreciate this. Maybe we'll, we'll have you back again if, if you're free. If we can manage to, like, I don't know, grab a hold of you one of these days. Yeah, well, I, you know, I think it's a, uh, this is, this is really fun. I think it's a, it's really enjoyable to be able to share about, you know, what I do uh, and to kind of give a little bit more background or give a little bit more of a, a paint some more color, you know, to, yes. you know, to the brand. Because we, we might look like just any other company, but in realist, in reality, we're, you know, we're, we're a small operation. We really care about, you know, what we do and we really care about who we work with. Right. And we're not, you know, we're not some, we're not, we're not trying to be like, you know, like we're trying to be like, oh, we're so amazing and we're better than everyone else, right? I mean, from a product standpoint, that's what we that's what we sell. But in terms of us as people, I don't really think that's the case. There's definitely some warmth there compared to other companies. For sure. So, yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's that's pretty much it, guys. So thank you so much for listening. And please don't forget to rate us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave us a review because that definitely helps us so until next time actually tomorrow we'll be recording a new episode tomorrow so it's gonna be exciting but yeah (laughs) thank you guys once again for hanging out with your favorite coffee and pizza crew and until next time i'm chelsea and i'm michael see you guys later Bye. bye